This podcast is sponsored by FHE Health and their Shatterproof program for first responders. This next guest is going to inspire you and quite possibly bring you to tears. I was almost crying when I was interviewing Ricky Johnson. Ricky is a former Marine who went to prison because of his out-of-control drug use along with other crimes he committed. Ricky lost everything, family, friends, even his son. This show is powerful, emotional, inspirational, and motivational. And if anything, Ricky Johnson is going to prove to you that no matter what you are going through, what you have been through, how low you have gone, there is always hope and you can always turn your life around like he did. Ricky Johnson. Next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Patrick here, host and creator of the CJ Evolution Podcast, a top rated podcast because of you, the listener and supporter. If you love this show, please share it with family and friends. I think you're probably going to because Ricky Johnson is amazing. A special thanks to you, the first responder, whatever you were doing, wherever you were at. Thank you for doing it. And remember this, you were honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Or if, and if you or anybody you know right now who is suffering, please reach out to me. I'm a national outreach liaison for FHE Health and their Shatterproof Program for First Responders. Our job is getting you better. 303-960-9819. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. everybody welcome back so excited to have my next guest on he's gonna inspire you his name is ricky johnson he's a former marine he's a peer support specialist in the great state of north carolina and he has an incredible story to tell you ricky thanks for being here my friend patrick thanks for having me i'm uh, i'm honored to be here it's a pleasure absolutely brother thank you for your service as a devil dog Likewise, thank you for yours as well. I appreciate it. I remember, oh, I was, we were talking a little bit before we started. I remember my Marine friends used to say, you know what Army stands for, right? I don't know if you ever heard this, Ricky. Yes. Aren't ready to be a Marine yet. Yes. (laughs) You know, you know, Marines, you know, Marine stands for Uh -uh. my, my ass rides and Navy's equipment. (laughs) 
hilarious. I never, I never heard that before. I'm going to use that, Ricky. I'll give yeah, you full credit. Full we're, credit department for the, we're department of the Navy, so that's that's why we say that. <laughs> well, what made you, brother? For again, thank you for your service. What what made you uh, want to become a Marine and, and serve the your country? Um, you know, I was I was 19 years old. Um, I had a new baby. I had my son at 17 years old, and I needed some, I needed some structure, some guidance, and discipline. So I chose the Marine Corps. I just I, I wanted that extreme culture. I, yeah. I wanted the challenge, and that's what at that at the time of my life, that's what appealed to me. So that's why I, I went that direction. Yeah, and I and I respect the hell out of the Marines. Great group of uh, individuals, men and women. Uh, I, really good friends that are still that are retired Marines now. So so thank you for your service. Any any good story about stories about being the Marines that you can share? Um, you know, I was, I was, I never saw combat. I never was deployed. Um, I was an air wing Marine 1391 bulk fuel specialist. I pumped a lot of gas. That's what I did. I worked on the, I worked on the airfield for the, you know, most of my enlistment. I never was, like I said, I never was deployed. I did my whole enlistment in Beaufort, South Carolina at the, at the air station there. Um, you know, I was a young man. I, I worked hard and partied hard. That's the way I lived my life at that time. And Got 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 in trouble and I was being a, being foolish and young. So yeah, yeah, I remember. I when I was in the army, that's I mean, I I drank too way too much. I fortunately never uh, got in trouble when I was in in the military. They or in the army, they call them Article Fifteens. Uh, I never mm-hmm. ever got in trouble. I don't know how I didn't because we're always messing around and stuff. But you have an interesting story that. Yeah, uh, I want you to share because it, your life well, took a, a a turn, uh, in a different direction. Um, yeah, and, and can you talk about that, sir? Absolutely. Um, you know, besides being a five-year Marine veteran, I'm also a three-time convicted felon mm-hmm. uh, for methamphetamines and DWIs. I have two felony uh, methamphetamine possession charges, and I have a felony for uh, multiple DWIs. You know, it, it would take me a a good 35 minutes to tell my entire story, but I can just give you the quick, you know, meat potatoes of it. Um, you know, I was, um, I, I'm, I'm originally from Missouri. Um, I grew up, I had good, I had a good family, had good parents, but both of my parents did die of alcoholism at the age of 49 and 52. Um, as a young, as a young kid, I was exposed to substance use. Uh, that's the culture that I grew up in. You know, my, my dad would take me to the bars with him. I was exposed to alcohol at a very young age, like four, five, and six. Uh, my family, my family would let me taste beer, and that appealed to me, and that is, and I aspired to be just like them. I don't blame them for the choices that I made, uh, but it it created a monster with me. Um, also, as a small child, um, I was violated sexually by a family member. I was molested. Um, that had a very traumatic impact on my life. Still does to this day. I get to high school, as I mentioned. Um, my son was born the summer before my senior year. I was 17 years old. Um, I need, like I said, I needed some structure, some guidance, and discipline. So I joined the Marine Corps. And um, you know, being a Marine with that extreme culture and personality mixed with substance use, it was a perfect storm for me. It about killed me. Uh, but what the Marine Corps instills into us is the ability to improvise, adapt, overcome, and not give up. And that's probably what saved my life. You know, going down the road, I discharged from the Marine Corps. And I had good intentions. Um, I was going to be the father to my son I didn't have. Uh, when I say the father I didn't have, you know, my biological father wasn't a bad man, but he just struggled with alcoholism my whole life. And I never was mad at him. 
I had a good I had a good upbringing by my stepdad, and he's a good man. A lot of who I am today is because of how he raised me. Um, I returned back to Southeast Missouri after you know I discharged after five years honorably, and I, I was gonna like I said I had good intentions to be a good dad, but if I told you that I made my son a priority, I'd be lying to you. Uh, my priority was methamphetamines, alcohol, pills, and criminal activity. That came that came before everything, including my son. Um, I would get high on meth in front of my son. I would let him get high in front of me. I would take him with me on drug deals. On multiple occasions, uh, my son would see me so intoxicated on alcohol and pills that I was covering my own piss. Um, you know, when, when I let, when I tell you that I, I would let my son get high in front of me, I had so much guilt and shame that I couldn't tell him no. In my mind, I was showing him the right way how to do the wrong thing. Um, when I tell you that I sold narcotics, I was not some successful drug dealer. If there was such a thing, I would glorify it anyway. I was a nickel and dime thief who stole from people and I lied and manipulated and I deceived. And that's the way I supported my addiction at that time of my life. Um, in this time frame, my mother passes away. Um, I was a mama's boy and I used my mother's death as an excuse to get more heavily involved in a substance use. And I spent about 10 years in and out of active addiction. And people often ask me, you know, why did it take you so long to come out of it? And the way that I always frame it, because there, it, we can all relate to this, it was a comfortable misery. Yeah. And what I mean by comfortable misery, you know, it, you know, on the outside looking into these environments, it looks like insanity and very toxic. But the more time you spend inside of it, you develop these skills and tools to help you to survive and you become good at it. It's like it's like it's like somebody who's an active duty service member transitioning to the civilian sector after a 20 year enlistment. It's the fear of the unknown. We doubt our abilities and it can be very overwhelming. It's you know, it could be the homeless population that's I'm trying to get somebody into housing or employment. And I'm like, hey, brother, hey, sister, you got to leave this environment behind. Nine times out of 10, they're, they're, they'd rather stay where they're at because they're comfortable in it. So that's what I mean by comfortable misery. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, I wasn't willing to commit to a change. Uh, doing the wrong thing can be fun and it can be easy. But you most of the time, there's going to be a regret and a consequence to come with it. And that's what it was. And I just I wasn't I wasn't willing to commit to this change. The transition took place in my life. Um. I ended up in a rescue mission and, you know, and Patrick prior to, prior to that rescue mission, like I said, I'd been, you know, prison jails, treatment facilities, um, you know, in the past 26 years that I could legally drive, I've not had a driver's license for 18 of those years. Uh, my last wow. DWI, I lost my license for 10, currently 11. I'm in the process of getting them back as we speak. It's been a, a long journey. And, and, and Patrick, let me say, I have no resentment toward law enforcement. I, I now wow. collaborate with them. Um, everything that I was charged with and convicted of, I don't point the finger and blame people. I'm, I was 100, 100% guilty of doing. And Patrick and that rescue mission, the transition happened for me. You know, um, it was like the material walls collapsed and the spiritual world awakened. Wow. And I'm not the most religious person, but I'm very spiritual. A religious man fears hell. A spiritual man comes from it. And that rescue mission, I said a prayer. I was like, God, if you get me out of pits of hell, I'll always get back to the next man. I never doubt you when things don't go my way. And I'll always give you credit when I'm blessed. And brother, I had no, I had nothing left. I had three changes of clothes and that was it. Everybody was done with me, rightfully so. And I crossed paths with an angel. Uh, she's now my wife. Uh, my wife was working down the street from the rescue mission I was living at. Meeting her changed everything for me. Um, she was an angel. She believed in me. She saw something in me I didn't see. And it just motivated me to be the wow. best possible man that I could be. And, um, you know, prior to meeting Julie, I was very promiscuous and reckless no morals, uh, values, or principles. And my wife's the epitome of all those things. And she held me accountable. She's like, listen, Ricky, if we're going to be together, this is the way it's got to be. She's like, you got to keep a job and stay sober. 
and respect me. And I needed that to happen. Um, you know, I always tell people I'm married way out of my league. Uh, my wife's got two master's degrees and I got three felonies. So we're like the yin and the yang. <laughs> we balance one another out. Oh my God. So this is when the, the, the shift in my life happened. Um, yeah. You know, I met this amazing woman. My life was taking off. I was using my GI Bill going to college. I was making the dean's list. I was gaining the trust back in my community that I terrorized, gaining the trust back in my family. You know, my father, myself, and my da- my stepdad, we had a good relationship again. But Patrick would always tell people, you know, was when a lot of people have the misperception of success and progress. They think, well, if I start achieving success and making this climb, that my life's going to get easier and things are going to fall into place. And it's, and it's farthest from the truth. Um, something I always keep in mind is success is asking for a larger set of problems and, and the courage to continually solve it. The enemy's always coming, you know, no matter what, the enemy's around the corner. You know, all that time that I spent worrying about what Ricky wanted, what Ricky needed, poor Ricky, Ricky's locked up. I neglected my son, the person yeah. that needed me the most. All the all the broken promises, all the letdowns, all the lies. You know, Patrick, I was a father that would tell my son, I love you more than life. I'll do anything for you. But I would continually put other, I would continually put other substance users, criminal activity, my addiction. Patrick, I would put other, I would put other women's kids above my own son to gain their acceptance. And I would steal for my son to get high. Um, my conduct proved that I was a liar. Uh, the message I was sending to him was uh, landing these people in this life mean, mean more to me than spending time with you. To make the long story short, on December 12, 2015, I get a phone call. Um, my 18-year-old son felt like he didn't have any worth or value. And he goes to a city park and he hung himself. He took his own life. Um, as you can imagine, it uh, it knocks the piss out of me every single day. Um, I go to sleep with a broken heart. I wake up with a broken heart. Never ends. Um, you know, I'm not mad at my son. I'm not mad at God. Uh, my son made a bad choice. Uh, the way that I choose to look at it is his his death killed me, but it inspired me. It inspired me to be a better person. Um, you know, there is, people often ask me, do I blame myself for my son's death? And there's many days that I do. But what I always tell people is my conduct 100% impacted his mental health. You know, the way that, the way that we treat people matters. Um, when I leave my house, I'm very aware of how, how my conduct can impact somebody in a positive or negative way. And, you know, Patrick, what I always tell people is the most effective form of leadership is the manner in which we choose to lead ourselves. Our words are who we aspire to be. Our conduct proves who we truly are. And that's, I always remember that, you know, and, you know, and there's days that I wake up discontent, pissed off. You know, I, I still can't drive. I got three felonies. My son's dead. You know, there's a million excuses that I could use to project negativity on other people, but I refuse to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, People often ask me, do I have regrets? I'm like, I got a ton of regrets. And, you know, when I say that, it doesn't mean that, you know, I, I wouldn't be here without making those bad choices, but I don't feel good about traumatizing people. I don't feel yeah. good about impacting my son. Regret is the guideline, and I keep the pain near me for a reason. To, I don't ever, I never want to forget about who I used to be. I don't consume myself with it, but when I know if I forget about who I used to be, that that's gonna that could possibly cause me to be complacent. Okay. Yeah. So, so as you can imagine, at the time of my life. Um, I was devastated. And what I started doing that was very beneficial for me was I would get on social media and I, I put my entire life in front of the world. You know, I, I exposed everything about myself, all the bad stuff, the thieving, the lying, the getting high in front of my son. Um, you know, for me, I'm willing, I'm willing to step in front of a group of strangers and expose my entire life and a risk humiliation uh, to gain the support 
uh, to, or to inspire one person, but also to gain confidence in the, in the process as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, every, most every job I had after the Marine Corps, I lost due to substance use. What I, not, what I knew how to do was this. I knew how to persevere and be resilient. And to persevere and be resilient, it doesn't take talent or gift. It's effort. It's getting mm -hmm. back up over and over again. And I knew how to do that. I know how to inspire people. When I say inspire people, it doesn't mean you have to be a hero. Practice what you preach. Personify what you teach. Remember the quote, if a man is right, his world will be right. And I stand on that. To be therapeutic, it doesn't mean you have to be a therapist. Be present with somebody. Be willing to listen to them. And I knew how to do those things. And I didn't know at the time of my life, but that was God's way of preparing me to, like, even to do this podcast. Um, you know, I'm not the greatest public speaker. I've given over 300 presentations in over 200 venues, and I don't always get it right. I still sure. stutter. I still forget I'm trying to say, talk fast. You know, I cry in front of audiences, but I've never canceled. If, if, if I'm invited somewhere, best believe I'm damn sure going to show up and I'm going to give my very best. Yeah. Um, there's nothing about me unique. Um, I just refuse to, I refuse to quit. If I fall down, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep pressing forward. Amen, and Patrick, when I began public, when I began public speaking, I did not pursue doing this. Um, because like I said, I stuttered. And when I felt like God was calling me to do it and other people were like, Hey, Ricky, you, you need to start, you need to start talking about these things publicly. So I, I start, what I started doing was I was standing in front of a mirror for hours with an iPad, sweating and crying and asking God, like, why are you calling me to do this? This is what I want you to keep our people to keep in mind. Whatever we fear the most, when we overcome that, that's going to become our greatest strength. And if mm -hmm. you told me six years ago that I'll be speaking in front of law enforcement or 600 healthcare professionals as a keynote speaker, I'd have been like, there's no way in hell. But I just kept putting myself in these uncomfortable situations. And that's ultimately how my career began. And in a nutshell, that's the quick version of my story. So Jesus brother, <laughs> first and foremost, Ricky, thank you, my friend for being so transparent. And, and second of all, I should have started with, I am so sorry for the death of your son. Um, no parent, no matter what is going on, should, should experience the death of, of a child. So I'm very, very sorry, brother. And I love your, humility and i love your transparency and the, the the willingness obviously and i can hear it in your voice and and you're and you're a great speaker by the way i can tell um thank you the passion and the conviction in your voice um when when you're owning everything instead of you know pointing and trying to figure out you could easily blame god you could easily yeah. blame other people or but i i admire the heck out of that brother and it's amazing to me how God works, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Yeah. And, um, I believe that. And, you know, to, to have your wonderful wife, it sounds like come into your life. That's God. That's, that's God giving you, yeah, right, absolutely. giving you somebody in your life yeah. to, to support you. And I, I just admire your journey brother and what you're doing now, because it takes a lot of courage as you know, to get up there and, and be transparent but I admire it. And I think yes. that's what we need in the world today. Pe more people like you who have the, you know, who are very authentic and are not afraid of putting it out there because that's what people want. Majority of times. Do you, yeah. do you ever have those days where you're like, I know you have bad days. I have bad days too. I've been through treatment, um, sure. nothing compared, you know, to, to what you've gone through, but do you ever have those days where you're like, shit, I want to use again. And if you do, how do you get past that? Because that's, 
that's a huge thing with people in recovery, as you probably know. Sure. Um, do I ever, do I ever have moments of wanting to use? Not necessarily, but like I'm very mindful, like when I'm traveling or if I, especially when I'm on the road traveling, people, I see people that can still drink alcohol. I don't judge them for that. I don't have a relapse left in me. They right. make drinking look very innocent. And to them, it may be. And I have to, I have to be mindful of that because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if they can do it, I can still do it. And I know for me, one drink and it's over with. Um, I always remember this. Just because you get the monkey off your back, it doesn't mean the circus has left town. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, like that, that never this <laughs> this never goes away from me. Yeah. Um, what keeps me held accountable is you know for one discipline and commitment, but I care I care to disappoint people. You know I I don't want to let people down, and that's something I always and I and I care to be a good example. Yeah. You know could I could I drink a couple beers and no, nobody would ever know probably, but my conscience would kill yeah, me and I could not know. in good faith yeah. do this. Yeah, you would know. Hundred percent, you know, and I, and I and that that's something that um that I always keep in mind. But I have bad days, absolutely. Um, but I but it but that I fear I fear letting people down, and I yeah. always keep that in mind. So that's something that helps me, that helps me from getting complacent. I'm a very routine and structured guy every single day. Well, it sounds like you're you're very spiritual and religious, which is huge. I mean, I yes. when I went through treatment, I, I came closer to God, and He is yeah. a central part of my my life now. And, um, I, God bless you for that brother. And, um, you know, I mean, do you, do you ever feel that? I mean, let me, let me ask you this. I mean, I really do believe that things happen for a reason. I I don't know Mm -hmm. if you believe that. I mean, I think it's just part of God's plan and, and I know you, you said it, but uh, have you come to terms with this is God's mission for you and this is what he wants you to do in life? Absolutely. Um, yeah. People often, you know, th- and people ask me this, people contact me often. This I know this is my purpose. Yeah. D- does it make me feel, does it make the pain less than my son's death? No, but his death has been a gift to me. I wouldn't be here without it. I mean, he's, his death has helped me to impact a lot of people because that gives me something I can get on somebody's level that somebody else maybe can't. Yeah. People contact me often who have lost kids or lost a family member to suicide, kids to suicide or overdose. And I always this is what I always tell them. I'm like, listen, I don't have the answer as to why this happens other than free will and life happening. And I said, what I'm about to tell you is not going to make your pain less. I said, but you're going to get through this. You're going to gain wisdom, experience and a lot of knowledge that you can't pay for. And I said, it's not going to lessen the suffering. I said, but eventually you're going to cross paths with another person who's going through what you've already gone through. Mm-hmm. And I said, guess who's going to be there to support them, support their fellow man? I said, you, like I'm supporting you. That's going to be your purpose. And that's, that's the way that I choose to look at my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's just powerful, powerful brother that, um, yeah. And I, I'm willing to bet. In fact, I know, I believe, and I'm sure you do that your son is with you all the time and he's very proud of the man Uh, you have become, you know, and the mission you're on right now. So that should give you some sort of um, solace, you know, uh, even though I can't imagine, you know, what you you go through every day, waking up and knowing that he's not there, brother. Yeah. And Patrick, you know, when I, when I talk about it publicly all the time, people always tell me like, Rick, you got to forgive yourself. I don't know what forgiving myself means. Okay. Mm-hmm. To me, forgiving myself is, um, 
it never goes away. I, yeah. I don't feel good about hurting people. I don't, I don't obsess over it and consume myself with it. Uh, but it's, it's always there. And, um, but you know, it's just, it's, I, I accept, I accept that as part of this, as part of this process. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you, brother. And so you're doing all this great work. You mentioned going and, and speaking with huge audiences yeah. and you're talking. So is that primarily what you do? I, I mentioned you're a peer support specialist. And, yes. and can you explain more of, of what you're doing now, brother, to give back? Yeah. So, you know, for, for one, a peer support is like a mentor. It's um a personal lived experience who's willing to share with other people how they got through a similar struggle. So my role as a peer, a peer support is, would be like, if you're going through something that I can relate to, I'm not trying to fix you. I'm just trying to say, hey, brother, I've gone through this. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through it together. And I just walk with you through the fire, kind of sharing with you yeah. how I, my perspective of getting through it. So what I do is I have a nonprofit that I just started about a year ago called the Simple Relentless Project. I speak full time. Um, I travel. I speak at prisons, jails, high schools, you know, veteran population. There's not a demographic that I probably not spoke to or that I won't go into. I've been into I've been into about every environment. Um, I just try to go around. Like I said, I'm not trying to fix people or save lives and change lives. I just look at it as I'm planting seeds. Yeah. And um, I'm not there to judge people. I'm not I'm not there to tell people how you should or should not live your life. I'm just like, listen, guys, this is the choices that I made. This is the consequences that I suffered. But this is also how I got out of it as well. So even if somebody can't relate to what I'm going through, they may know somebody that's going through it. So, my, you know, my intention is just to maybe share a gym with them that they can implement in their own life. And, you know, maybe it benefits them down the road somewhere. Well, and you're I think you're the epitome, Ricky, of being through hell and back and and providing to you know showing people that no matter what happens to you in life you can keep driving forward and you can get back on that horse however you want to put it i, I always yeah. believe that i remember my mom who passed away both my parents passed away but my mom was very religious she was catholic and my dad was catholic too and i remember my mom used to say god never gives us more than we can handle even though it seems yeah. like we have we're, we're the walls are closing in and and I really do believe that. And I obviously I know we just met, but I, I yep. you know, God's using you, brother, and he's using you in a good way. And yeah, it's just it's truly amazing, my friend. And and Patrick, and to and to and to piggyback off what you just said, people ask me often, like, do I ever have do I ever have bad thoughts or did I ever think about taking my life after my son's death? And I'm like, No, I, I don't think those things. And I get to my point about that, but they're always asking me, like, what what keeps you from you know, following through. I'm, I'm an impulsive guy. I have bad thoughts on occasion, but I always tell them like, I'm like, I know the weight that I carry. What kind of man would I be to pass it on to my wife? Absolutely. And, leave, yeah. and for the rest of her life, she's devastated thinking, why wasn't my love enough for him and his love enough for me to keep me alive? And I, you know, I, I would never put my wife through that. And Patrick, those days when I have those impulsive thoughts, it's, it's really just minimal things, but it seems serious in the moment. When I push through that and I look back a month a month later and I try to reflect on it, I can't even remember what it was that had me so impulsive. It's like it's the enemy will make you think an anthill is a mountain. That's the yeah. way the enemy works, you know. So yeah. just to me, just it's just to keep pushing forward, keep keep being resilient. And that's how we gain strength and grow through it. Absolutely. And the devil, you know, brother, we use his various tactics to try to get oh, yeah. to us, to bring us down. Um, and yep. you know, I, I I've had those thoughts you know before i i went to therapy but now that i'm closer to god i mean i i mean i just i resort to praying or meditating yep. 
mm-hmm. and and that usually dissipates it. But um, now, if, if people want to reach out to you, brother, because I think you're amazing, yes. Ricky, and like I said, you're su- such a, a horrible story. I'm sorry you had to go through all that, but I admire your courage and your transparency. Uh, and you're, it's powerful, brother. And and this is what people need to hear. If people want to reach out, first of all, how can they find you, my friend? Sure, I'm on I'm on Facebook as Ricky Johnson Jr. Same the same thing on LinkedIn, the same thing on Instagram. Redemption of Ricky Johnson. Um, you can you can text me at five seven three nine four four zero zero six two, and I can also when you post this post this I can uh, post my um, my email address as well. I'm, I'm easily accessible, very approachable. Any, anybody can contact me. And um, if you need something, please do. The only thing that that's kind of questionable in, in my mind, Ricky, is you were a Marine. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. For, for people on, on a more serious note, for, for the listener who is listening out there right now and, and suffering or, or, you know, challenging, going through challenging times first of all if it gets bad please dial 911 and get you know get somebody uh rolling towards you but if there's somebody out there who's depressed maybe dealing with addiction uh and don't know where to what to do what what would you what would you recommend them to do brother um not necessarily not necessarily recommend but just something that i personally you know maybe uh, my perspective you know, there's tons of resources available. Um, Absolutely. If you have access to Google, um, if you have a friend that you can trust, uh, contact. Um, for one, I want them to remember they're not weak for having a bad thought. You're not weak for going through things. You know, a lot of times, you know, the, the strength that we're praying for, people people have the misperception of thinking the strength just falls into our lap. What we're going through is the gift. When we get through that, that's where the strength comes from and prepares you for that next battle. So. You know, stay in a fight. There's resources available. There's people that care about you. Um, there's people that's willing to listen to you. You know, to me, the most effective tool is just to me, the most effective tool of communication is just being willing to listen to somebody. You know, most all of us, most all of us know in our hearts and minds when we're doing too much of something or not enough, especially if it's causing a negative impact in our life. We just want somebody to validate what we're going through. Hey, mm-hmm. brother. It's understandable you feel this way. I'm 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 here for you and I'm here to listen to you. And that's yeah. that's what most all of us want. Yeah. And I, and I think it's important, brother, and you alerted alluded to it having your wife that supported you or supports you. But I think it's very important who you're associating with too. You know, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to be around negative people. Um yeah. I mean, you know, you want to try to keep those people in your life that are going to lift you up, not bring you down. Um, a quote that I live by that I always share in my presentations is when you surround yourself with people who have nothing to lose, they're going to help you lose everything that you have. I'm very I mindful who I, who I, the people that I have surrounding me, you know, uh, men like you, people, that, I want people around this going, going to hold me accountable and they're going to enlighten me. They're going to tell me what I don't want to hear, but what I need to hear out of love because they want to see me grow. And that's what my wife does for me often. It doesn't mean that I like hearing it or it feels good. But out of, you know, love isn't lies. Out of her love for me, she's honest with me to get, and it gives me an understanding of where I need to improve at. So that's who I have surrounding me. Well, Ricky, well, God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Taking the time to come on the show. I think you're amazing. Uh, a wonderful person doing God's work. 
Uh, we are here to support you um, any way I can. Uh, and hopefully one of these days I can meet you in person, my friend. It's, that's going to happen. I, I, I believe that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, my friend. And uh, God bless you. And I will let you know when I push this out, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. I also want to tell all law enforcement listening to this that I appreciate their service. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. God bless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Such an amazing story with a gentleman who has gone through hell by his own doing, but he has come out and he is better than ever and he is doing amazing work everywhere. You can also check out this show on the CJ Evolution Podcast YouTube channel. Have a good day and please be safe.